What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting episode of Bitcoin and Markets. My name is Ansel Lindner. What I do here is a daily live stream, and I put it out in podcast form. If you want to take part in the live streams, you can follow me on Twitter at Ansel Lindner, or better yet, go to the telegram t.me forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. Also, check out the website bitcoinandmarkets.com. Sign up for the free tier, get notified of all my content, get a free weekly newsletter. And there you can also become a full member and support me for $5 a month and support this unique perspective in Bitcoin. So I have been in Bitcoin for almost 10 years. I have an economics and business background as well as a military career. So I have a unique perspective, a unique outlook. And if you listen to this whole episode today, you'll get a taste of that unique outlook. So I want to thank everyone that supports over there on BitcoinAndMarkets.com. If you're new, I hope you enjoy the episode. Subscribe, like, share, check out BitcoinAndMarkets.com. Okay, let's get into today's show. So this is going to be a quick uh, recording this morning. Thank you for joining me. This is kind of a replacement for yesterday's live stream because somehow I forgot to hit record on Telegram. So I didn't have the recording to put out as a podcast. So I'm just going to cover some of the things that I covered from yesterday's show. So uh, that's the plan. Let's see if it goes off without a hitch. Okay, so the big news item for yesterday or today is Luke Dash Jr. Um, Apparently, he had a hot wallet with over 200 Bitcoins on his laptop and his PGP key, which he was using to encrypt this uh, wallet or this laptop, whatever, uh, was compromised. And so then on December 31st, he lost all of his keys. And I was going to read through a quick article here. I wrote about it on the report. So remember, Mondays, I try to, (laughs) every Monday, I try to get out a report. Uh, That's the weekly newsletter for Bitcoin and markets. I got off there by a few days, and so then I had to uh, uh, slowly but surely work my way back to Monday because I didn't want to do like two reports in a row uh, that like with two days in between, that would have been too short of uh, space between there because there not enough news had happened. So what I did was I spaced it out a little bit more and tried to slowly work my way back to Monday. Anyway, uh, this is the first headline that I included in the report, and the title, the headline here from the uh, article is Bitcoin core developer claims to have lost 200 plus BTC in hack. One of the original core developers behind Bitcoin, Luke Dash Jr., claims to have lost basically all his BTC as a result of a hack that occurred just before the new year. In a January 1st post on Twitter, the developer said the alleged hackers had somehow gained access to his PGP key a common security method that uses two keys to gain access to encrypted information. In the thread, he shared a wallet address where some of the stolen BTC had been sent, but did not reveal how much of his BTC was stolen in total. At the time of writing, the wallet address in question shows four transactions between uh, or on December 31st, totaling 216 BTC worth 3.6 million at current prices. Dash Jr. said he had no idea how the attackers gained access to his key, though some in the community have pointed to a possible connection 
with an earlier Twitter post from Dash Jr. on November 17th that noted his server had been compromised by new malware backdoors on the system. Dash Jr. told a user in his most recent Twitter thread that he had only noticed the recent hack after getting emails from Coinbase and Kraken about login attempts. The incident has also caught the attention of Binance CEO CZ, who offered condolences and support in a January 1st post. Sorry to see you lose so much. Informed our security team to monitor. If it comes our way, we will freeze it. Else, hold on, someone's uh, unmuted. Let me. All right, sorry about that. Um, sorry to see you lose so much. Informed our security team to monitor. If it comes our way, we will freeze it. If there's anything else we can help with, please let us know. We deal with these often and have law enforcement relationships worldwide, he wrote. Some in the crypto community, Bitcoin community, have speculated that lax security might be to blame for the loss. In a January 1st Reddit thread, a user calling themselves Sat Standard suggested that Dash Jr. may not have taken the November 17th security breach serious enough and later suggested that the Bitcoin developer did not keep different activities separated. Meanwhile, a few others appear to suggest it may not have been a hack at all, suggesting that someone had stumbled across the seed phrase somehow, or it was part of an unfortunate boating accident ahead of tax season. A boating accident in this context is in reference to a running joke and meme originally used by gun enthusiasts, but since repurposed by the crypto community, Bitcoin community, about people trying to avoid paying taxes by claiming they lost all their BTC in a tragic boating accident. And I pointed this out yesterday, the first time I read through this, was I thought this was from the gold community or from the precious metal community, but apparently it came from the gun community. I don't know. Cointelegraph reached out to Dash Jr. over Twitter for more information about the alleged hack, but did not hear back by the time of publication. The news has ignited a debate around self-custody, which became a hot topic after the collapse of FTX last year. Binance's CZ, who previously cautioned the crypto community or Bitcoin community about self-custody, said, quote, sad to see even an OG core developer lost 200 BTC. Self-custody has a different set of risks. Online social media influencer, and I don't want to talk about him here. So that's that's the story. That's the write-up, at least. And uh, a lot of people were pointing out the curious coincidence between December 31st, tax season. You know, if he was hacked on the 17th of November and this is connected to it, why did they wait till December 31st to do this? Um, there's a few things that don't add up. Now, he was an idiot here he kept pretty much a hot wallet that was encrypted with a pgp key on his daily driver laptop it is incredibly incredibly dumb thing to do what i recommend people do is have hardware wallets you can multi-sig with hardware wallets you can um, split up your balances between several hardware wallets and geographically distribute them. 
you can do all sorts of things like that. But hardware wallets are the way to go, in my opinion, at least for 99% of people. Of course, there's going to be 1% of people that are super savvy on this. And actually, I would say 98% of people. There's 1% that are super savvy and one or more percent that uh, are they want a hot wallet because they want to invest they want to spend it on an ico they want to flip it with sushi swap or whatever right so there's those types of people but i recommend hardware wallets for everybody and if you do not have one i need to get an affiliate link but uh, i right now i'm recommending trezor or cold card Uh, those are the two that i would recommend uh what else on this story I mean, Luke Dash Jr. is a very curious cat. He has, you know, he's hardcore Catholic. He has some very hardcore beliefs about uh, around religion where he cannot disobey. Like, he's a big statist because if the Pope tells you to obey the state, you must obey the state because the Pope has told you, even if it's like horrible stuff, even if you don't agree with it whatever. So he's a a statist in that way. Um, He's had, you know, he's just an eclectic personality. And just because he made a name for himself in Bitcoin back in 2014, I believe, when he suggested SegWit could be added through a soft fork. And that changed the whole conversation. That changed the whole conversation. Now SegWit could be added through a soft fork and boom, Bitcoin could get uh, a malleability fix could add some different uh, block space in there, some uh, space in the blocks. And it was a a beautiful fix. And Luke came up with this idea. And so he has a special place in the history of Bitcoin. But uh, just because of that doesn't mean he's like some sort of God figure or he's, you know, being, being a core developer doesn't mean that you're great at everything. He's obviously has some blind spots in the way he sees the world as we all do, obviously we all have those things. Uh, so this is human error. This is not Bitcoin error. If he followed best practices of hardware wallets, cold storage, etc., for his Bitcoin, he would not be in this situation. It does bring up the cold question on self custody. Um, I mean, the the way I kind of look at it is the problem is not exactly what people say. Um, Most people in this world don't have much savings, especially when you look at, you know, outside the West or, um, you know, poor countries where they don't have a lot of savings. So the problem of like everybody having, like, for example, if you're making a dollar a day somewhere, you're not going to have a hundred dollars to spend on a Trezor. Right. And set it up and do all these things. So there's got to be some attention paid to those types of people. Most people in the West that do have savings, say they have a couple thousand dollars in savings, they can invest in a treasure and they can they can keep their Bitcoin on there, but they probably won't. Um, Now, when you get into a different, you know, you continue up the ladder and you go to people that have tens of thousands of dollars of savings or hundreds of thousands of dollars in savings, they are going to use a Trezor. And most likely they are, you know, will pick it up easily. They'll get used to it and they'll be able to use it no problem. But it's the vast majority of people 
that have maybe $20 to their name, that's the vast majority of people in the world, they aren't going to be self-custodying. I, I just hate to break it to people. And I said it a long, long time ago that most people will never hold Bitcoin on chain anyway. Most people in the world, 80, 90% of people, will only ever interact with Bitcoin through layers like Lightning or custody, you know, like a hosted Lightning wallet or something like that. And so that's not, I mean, I'm saying that's not a good thing, but as long as the big money has the ability to self-custody, then I think that is pressure enough on the powers that be to feel the effects of self-custody, right? Like if you have... um 90% of the supply of Bitcoin is self-custody. It doesn't really matter what the other 10% is. That That is 90% applies the same amount of pressure as 100%. I don't know. Maybe I'm off on this and you guys can tell me I'm crazy, but uh, that is what I think about this story. Okay, now to finish out what I talked about yesterday, what I'm going to do is really quick go through the other stuff that was on the report. So I wrote about Robert Kawasaki and he recommends traders scoop up Bitcoin right now. Now I'm not a huge fan of his. I've never listened to his podcast. Uh, I've read his book probably 20 years ago or 30 years ago, whatever, a long, long time ago. He's, but he's important because he's an influencer of influencers. Many, many influencers out there know Robert Kawasaki. They, they respect him in a way, right? He has 2.3 million followers on, I think this is Twitter. And he tweeted out that he was buying Bitcoin at these levels. Now, that's, I think, pretty significant. His reasoning was that the SEC is going after altcoins. So most of the interest and innovation was going to center around Bitcoin in the future because that's the way the SEC was headed. He, he thinks the SEC has made their decision. They're going to go after altcoins. But Bitcoin is really been singled out as the only commodity in the eyes of the regulators. So that's why he was like, you know, Bitcoin is where it's at. It's been low. It's uh, depressed right now. So I'm going to buy in. I think this is a huge Huge development. Another thing that I wrote about that I missed um, that happened last week, I believe, let's see, December 22nd, was uh, uh, Brazil officially enacted a Bitcoin bill that is intended to provide complete regulatory framework for trading and using Bitcoin within the country. While the bill does not officially make Bitcoin legal tender within Brazil, it makes it significantly easier and more attractive to use Bitcoin as a form of payment or as an investment asset. If businesses want to accept Bitcoin, for example, they will not have to worry about falling into a gray area where nobody really knows the rules of the game. Brazil's bill sets up two distinct regulators for Bitcoin, the central bank and the SEC equivalent. So very, very interesting. Another development, I, I don't know if I actually talked about this yesterday, was uh, Cameron Winklevoss, he sent out an open letter to Barry Silbert, and then Barry Silbert responded back. There's some back and forth going on here between some whales, uh, the Winklevi and Barry Silbert. Apparently, Barry Silbert owes them some money. And so, uh, really, I, I think this, this time is drawing short. 
there must be some sort of deadline of the 8th, around the 8th of January. So we'll see how this develops if somebody is insolvent, but uh, we should be knowing that here in the next couple of days. What else? Okay, getting into macro headlines, I wrote about the Chinese economic numbers for December and 2022 are in, and they are horrible. So the composite PMI, this is a purchasing managers index, so it's a survey, and they go out and they ask, you know, purchasing managers about the state of the economy. Anything under 50 is contraction. Anything over 50 is expansion. It doesn't usually go very far above or below, like maybe 10. Any, if it got to 60 or to 40, that would be a huge, massive number. So so even during COVID, this PMI in China was only 42. It was 42.7. And the most recent composite PMI, 42.6. It's lower, lower than the COVID low, which is incredible, if you ask me. So uh, let's see what else we have here about this. So that means that the economy is super massively slowing down. And the mainstream estimates are that GDP will grew at 2% last year. Xi Jinping came out and said 4.4%. Um, I think that uh, in the report, I said that's an obvious lie, but I think that's actually there. He's talking about nominal nominal GDP. So that includes inflation in there. If you take inflation out, um, it's less than zero because the, the, let's see, the CNY moved quite a bit last year. Let me go pull up the CNY and I'll do one year. So measuring from January, 2022 through December 31st, or whatever it was, let's see. Yeah, it closed. Let's see, it it fell quite a bit on that last day uh, of the year, but it closed eight and a half percent lower against the dollar for 2022. So if it grew nominally, if Xi Jinping at 4.4% is talking about nominal growth, which I think that's what he was referring to, and the CNY fell 8.5% against the U.S. dollar. That means a negative 5% real GDP. That's crazy. And that, that is a little bit worse than I thought it would be. But I do think that the Chinese economy contracted in 2022. And I don't know who can look at all the headlines and all the stuff that they went through, all the imports and exports being down 25 30 40%. Um, and they could say that the economy grew positively. No, the economy shrank big time in China in 2022. So let's see, where was I? Uh, so that was that. Oh, and Croatia joined the Euro. I didn't really write anything about this. I just linked to a story about this. Um, maybe I'll dig into this more in the future, but... Uh, why? I mean, it's. I guess it's Croatia's little sinking ship, and they want to jump onto the bigger sinking ship. But I don't think this is necessarily good or bad for the euro. It's that's exactly 
what I just said there. Um, okay. As for the dot, uh, as for the price, now I do a big price section on the on the the report, and I talked about this chart for a long time, but I never really did it. But you know, if you take out the big drops from Terra and Celsius and FTX, it would only be a few days. And if you take out those few days that really didn't speak to the fundamentals of Bitcoin, all right, they really didn't speak to the fundamental. They weren't Bitcoin centric. They were, Bitcoin was over leveraged. There was some paper Bitcoin, yeah. But it, did, it didn't speak to the, the actual fundamentals of Bitcoin. It was, it was more about what's going on in the scam side of the house, right? In, in the, the altcoins, in crypto, not in Bitcoin. So anyway, what I did was I took out all these big drops after these events. Then I mapped those candle patterns with a tool that is available on TradingView. I think everybody can access this. Uh, it's like ghost pattern or ghost bars or something like that. And I just clicked out the next section and put it up as if the drop didn't happen. And then took the next section, put it up as if the drop didn't happen. Because, you know, the, the price has been extremely sideways. And that's what I have been saying all year. We've been extremely, extremely stable all year, except for it turns out to be 22 days in this chart. And if you look like at, from the time uh, Celsius or no, Terra blew up, the price was around 40000 and the price would have ended around 45000 if you take out the drop, those three drops consisting of 22 days in the entire year. 22 days in the entire year, the price would be up at 45000 So I think this is an interesting chart. It's a thought-provoking chart, especially when you think about this is nothing about Bitcoin fundamentals, right? So... Anyway, that was in there in the price section. I'll talk about a few other things. Have a, a bunch of charts. One thing I did, which I thought was kind of cool, is I took the weekly Ichimoku cloud and I looked at it for today. And there's this this certain pattern. It's a, called a twist where the cloud twists from green to red. And then I looked at those because that weekly twist doesn't happen very often. Um, I went back in 2018 and looked at the weekly twist there. And, you know, during the bear market, uh, then played it forward. And the price, you know, right after the twist is when the price really took off. Then I went back to 2015 and looked at that. Uh cloud twist in on the weekly cloud and yes the, it took much longer for the price to then continue up but that marked pretty much the bottom of the bear market was right where we are in relation to the the weekly cloud it marked the bottom in both bear market both two previous bear markets so i think that's very interesting plus in 2015 and 16 you had the scaling conflict, which I think really affected the community. It was a much you know, smaller community. So I think that could have delayed the 
inevitable rise, the mark, the bull market, which would have, uh, you know, maybe been six months earlier if it wasn't for the scaling conflict. So that's it. Or in the mining section, I do talk about some stuff, but you guys can read the report. And then I have one story about lightning and that's it for the report for this week. So uh, again, guys, thanks for joining. This was a makeup for yesterday's recording because I, I had this, I talked about the same stuff yesterday. I just forgot to hit record. And so this is a makeup for that. A couple other admin notes here is I have created a new YouTube channel and I have to wait. I think they said 24 hours. Let me look at that. I think it's 24 hours before I can uh, do a live stream. So maybe I'll do that tomorrow. See if I can work out some kinks and get live streaming going over there on the new YouTube channel. Do that simultaneously with this. I've also been uh, thinking about getting, buying a StreamYard uh, membership so I can do Twitter, Telegram, and YouTube all the same, and Rumble. You know, you can plug in all these things at the same time. Uh, so I might be starting that up here in the next week or two for a 2023 type of uh, resolution is get StreamYard and start doing more, more streaming on uh, simultaneous platforms. But anyway, what I'll do now is open up the mic. If you guys have any questions or comments, this would be the time. Again, I was just making up for not recording yesterday. So if you joined both times, you've heard the story twice. <laughs> going once, going twice. All right, that's it, guys. Thanks for joining. People listening on the podcast app, check out BitcoinAndMarkets.com. The telegram is t.me forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. Follow me on Twitter at Ansel Lindner. Like, subscribe, share, all of that stuff. And I will see you on the next one. Bye.